at Tri Lakes Baptist Church in Brighton in 1989. So I was in Blissfield from 1980 to 1989. And uh, it was during that time that I came up here to present the work of Baptist Builders and what was going on in Blissfield and how God was blessing there. And uh, it was a joy to, to be a part of that and be a part here. I appreciate so very much the invitation to come and be a part here tonight, to be a part of your summer Bible conference. Just to enjoy the fellowship of another church. I just, you know, God, I, I don't believe in the, pre, uh, in, the, in, the, in the primacy of the local church. I believe in the preeminence of the local church. Uh, you know, and I'm talking about on this earth. <laughs> I believe that God has left us the local church as His vehicle to accomplish His will. And in the process, we have great fellowship with one another. Your local church, along with a church, local church like Tri Lakes Baptist Church or First Baptist Church in Troy, which is much larger than either one of us. And the good thing that, or, the, or one good reason, brother, to always invite Pastor Harding is he buys. When you go to lunch, he always pays. So you invite Pastor Harding and, and you, uh, you'll have a nice lunch and, and uh, he'll always uh, offer to pay. He's one of the most generous men and that is one of the most generous churches I've ever, ever known. So I appreciate Pastor Harding and I uh, appreciate uh, your pastor and Ambassador Baptist Church. Uh, uh, and though I did call, I have to let you know this, I did call 411 on the way here because I was sitting in traffic, you know, and I didn't know if I was going to make it on time. And they don't have a listing for you for some reason. Now, so you might check that out because you're probably paying for it. But anyway, uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to meet you all and be a part tonight. And I want to take you to uh, the book of Revelation. And I want to take you to chapter 2 where... Where John begins to to at the you know the urging of uh, the Lord Christ at the direction of the Lord Christ moreover and and the direction of the Holy Spirit of God to give us some information about how we ought to conduct our business in the local church. Now I know I know contextually what's here and I know there are views various views. For instance, in chapter two and three, many say well. Here are seven churches presented, and they represent various eras in church history. Or you might take the view, as I do, frankly, that and that you know that means nothing to you. You can choose either one you like, or you can take the view that every church is found in every age. Characteristics of such are found in every age. And so I think that God has given us these churches so that we might look at them and glean from them things that would be uh, positive for us to apply and things that would be, you know, careful that we avoid, and, and frankly. And so I look just one of these churches tonight just for a little while in, in Revelation chapter 2 and uh, b verses 1 through 7. So if you'll look down at the Scriptures... Uh, if you would, please, I'd like to read. You follow now. I, I, I believe you use the New American Standard. That's, and that's the few Bible I use. That's the Bible I use, so we won't have any problem there. But I am reading from the New American Standard tonight. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, 
and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and that you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not, and you found them to be false, and you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where whence you have, or from where you have fallen, and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Our Father, as we gather this evening and look at this text, may you teach us from it. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives and, and, and in the text uh, as it's presented and uh, where we fall short in, pre- uh, in presentation. May you uh, uh, build us up and illuminate our minds and hearts to the truth of the Scripture tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I, I, I want to show you just several things from this passage that are positive. I think what we see here in, in all of the churches is that God commends and He corrects a local church. Writing to the local church. That's why I love this passage. I preached through Revelation several years ago, at, and, and well, probably five, six years ago now. It took me about 13, 14 months to go to preach through it. And I just camped right here in this area of chapter 2 and 3 because I love this passage so much. This, this, this is, this, these are epistles within the epistle, I suppose, in my mind. Writing to the local churches, giving us instructions. And so he commends this church and he corrects it as well. So we see, first of all, in verse 1. Notice in verse 1, though, you know, to kind of set this up. Uh, to the angel of the church at Ephesus, and we know that we're talking about the the, uh, the church at Ephesus, and uh, Ephesus is is uh, uh, a church that was pastored by uh, the the apostle Paul for some three years at one point in time. Now, you know, there are those that claim that he didn't pastor; he was just the apostolic representative there. Well, he did all the things that a pastor does, so whatever you believe there is fine. But I think he was the pastor. We know that Timothy was the pastor there. We know that John the Apostle was the pastor there for a short time. The John that's writing the book of Revelation, he was there and he pastored, apparently pastored. He did the work of the elder, we see in Second John, there for a while. And, and uh, Apollos, another great name that was there and pastored there, brought the truth from the Word of God there. So they had some history in terms of their pastor. It was a city that was, uh, that was known for, you know, there was... We, we see the, the beginnings of the church, you know, small beginnings in Acts chapter 18 with Quilla and Priscilla went there, began, the, and we saw the remnants of the local church planted there. So we see the formation of it. You know, if you follow it in Scripture, isn't it wonderful to see these churches? My favorite book is the book of Acts, and the reason it is the history of the local church. And you can see the church, God's plan for the planet. Great, great book out there called God's plan for the planet. Um, you can see it. Uh, form and uh, and take root and grow and see it have influence and impact the world, as the as the Book of Acts says when they came into town, the apostolic uh, uh, entourage in various places, and, and here come those that turned the world upside down. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that were the case today? That when people think of a local church like this one, Ambassador Baptist Church, they'd say, "There's the church that turned Royal Oak upside down." Can happen can happen. You know, it, 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 sometimes we act as though, and I'm not laying it at 
Ambassador Baptist Church's feet. I'm saying Christendom-wide as if the Holy Spirit is not is sort of a different person than He was back in the, in the first century. That's just not true. Just not so. Same Holy Spirit is at work today that was at work in the days of John and James and Paul and the Apostles. But at any rate, we have, we have the church at Ephesus in this city, this thriving city, uh, probably between 250 to 500,000 people. And many churches, I believe, personally were planted there. I think you can see that in Acts chapter 20 when Paul calls the elders of the church together. I think it's a plural there, singular but plural intent, and, and calls the pastors plural. I don't think it's just one church. That's just my take on it. Uh, and your pastor may take it different, and that's okay. I mean, it's, but, but I think he's speaking about several churches by that time that were, you know, 40 years down the road that were planted in Ephesus. And and uh, and so this city of 250 to 500,000 was the the uh, the cultural center, the political center, the financial center of uh, Asia, and and those is the capital of the Roman colon or the Roman capital of Asia, and uh, and you know the temple of Diana was there, Artemis, uh, Diana, and a very vile vile culture in Acts chapter 19. You can read all about it and how how God was uh, uh, turning that city upside down as well. When the apostle went there and began to preach in the synagogue and began to present the Word of God, many people came to Christ and the church was planted. He stayed there three years and taught them the truths from Scripture. What a joy and to see also John at the uh, uh, command, the urging and command of the Holy Spirit of God to write now to the church commanding that here, here is what the Lord Jesus says himself. You know, uh, the, the angel to, to the pastor, I take the, the word angel here, uh, the messenger of the church, I think it means the pastor. I think he's referring to the pastor of the local church. To the, uh, if, I, if, I, if I might say to the messenger uh, in, of the church in Ephesus, write this, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven Golden Lamb stands, says this thing. It's a reference to Christ without question, too much of a question without going into it in depth tonight. It's a reference to Jesus. He's saying, look, I have not missed you. I didn't miss out. You know, sometimes you labor for the Lord and you just become so weary. Does that happen to you? No, probably not. You probably never get tired of laboring for the Lord. And you know, you say, well, I have Sunday school class. I just, I'm driving my head into the wall. They just don't listen. Or, you know, in our, our case, we have a, an Awana club. You know, the Awana kids come in and out, and, and, and you know, we have uh, our VBS this year. We had over 200 children from different, 200 different children came to our VBS. Over 75% of them were from either other churches or unchurched. And, and you know, that's an encouragement. That's exciting because sometimes you feel like you're just, you know, beating your head against the wall, the same kiddos every, but you know what? You're not. You're not. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And here we see him recognizing the local church. He said, hey, Ephesus, I see you and I understand. In fact, he commends them, doesn't he? I know your deeds. That term there, uh, uh, here is the commendation. That term, you know, he, he, he says, I know your deeds. And, and the term deeds is a term that means your general. I see all the deeds, everything that's going on in the church. I don't miss any of them. You know, I don't know who cleans your church. Probably you do. I don't mean you personally. No, you have a service come in. 
That, that's what I mean by you. You probably you do. We do the same thing. We have sign-up sheet and different families come in and clean. You know, different times. You always wish you had more because it seems like your turn comes around every, you know, really often. You know, but it looks nice. Yeah, I have to commend you. When I walk into the church, it looks it looks very clean and crisp and neat and nice. And you're to be commended. You know, but you clean that your church. And you say, well, sometimes it, I just suddenly look like, yeah, I just don't feel like, you know, I know. God always sees and understands. He knows. He's telling the church at Ephesus, I know your deeds. I see all of them. That's the term. Even the cleaning that goes on. I see the Sunday school classes that are taught. Now, I know they didn't have Sunday school classes in... Oh, you, but but I'm contemporizing it. All right. I see all the efforts that are that are that are accomplished for the cause of Christ. I see them all. I don't miss any of them. That person you talk to on the street, I see that. I know that. I know what you're doing. And he tells the church that I know your deeds. And 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 that's a general term. Then he goes on to get very specific. You know, he, you know the term toil. And you know he says here your deeds and your toil. That really. You know, a good translation, I think, of this could be, and this is a good translation right here, but I mean, it could be, could be said this way. I know your deeds, that is, your toil. I know what you're doing. I think he's, you know, he's getting specific here. And the term toil means your labor that is, that points to exhaustion, to the point of exhaustion, rather. I see the labor that you're putting in and the, the time and the effort that you're putting in. And some of you are just exhausted. You know, and uh, I, uh, I've always loved church services. I love Wednesday night. I love Sunday. I love every part about it. I love Sunday school. I love Sunday morning. I love Sunday evening. I just get excited. I, I, when I was first saved, I would sit up. Uh, st- sit up. I would stay up. You know, and, and my wife and I would be up talking about getting ready for the church. We had three little girls at that time. Uh, little girls about those kiddos their age. And, and we'd, we'd uh, get, you know, she'd be get ironing their dresses. And so I'd iron my shirt, you know. And I'd be thinking, I, I really, I can't wait till tomorrow. We get to go and we get to be with God's people. We get to be in the church. And, and I think it's so exciting to, 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 to know that, but, but, that that you can go there and you can be together, but also I, I loved the labor involved, the toil. And some nights you just come home exhausted. We take the children out, we go calling, we take them uh, more than several times. If you were to talk to my daughter, uh, any of them daughters, they will say they fell asleep at Big Boy after we went out calling, and we we gather back at Big Boy and we talk about what we had the privilege to be involved in and. They just fall asleep in the, we call it the pews, you know, in the big boy. And we take them home and put them to bed. And we would be exhausted at times. And, you know, I think there are people in Ephesus that were just hard. I know there were because that's what he's saying here. I see your hard, exhaustive labor. I see all that you're involved in. I see that you're emotionally involved and that you're physically involved. That mentally you have you put you you've held nothing back, you hold nothing back from the work of the Lord through the local church. You know why you do this? I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but I I, I want to take you to one verse that always impresses me. It's found back in the book of of uh, John. If you'll go back there, John chapter fourteen. 
very familiar and wonderful, perhaps most one of the most familiar passages in all time is John fourteen, right? John fourteen one, right? I mean, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, and I'm a, I grew up with the King James, so I, you, you'll find me crossing over from the King James to the New American Standard. Though I've used American New American Standard for thirty years, I still cross over. But but here we are. The Lord Jesus is he has announced to his disciples that I'm leaving you soon. And uh, I won't be here. And, you know, they get upset. And, you know, Peter goes through his whole thing. And, but Jesus tells them, and now we, we come to this place where, where uh, Philip says, well, we don't know where you're going, Lord. Show us the Father. That's enough. So forth. Or, and, and Thomas, doubting Thomas, and so forth. But look at one verse that's often overlooked in verse 12. And Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. But the verse doesn't stop there, does it? Look on. And greater works than these He will do, because I go to the Father. Now, you can investigate this if you like, and you should. But I believe this is a direct reference to the work of the local church. I'm going back, and what is, what is shortly after this, what does Jesus say? Some of you all... You all go to Jerusalem, wait for me there. I'm going to be ascended. This is post-resurrection uh, truth. And you go to, go to Jerusalem, you wait for me there, Acts chapter 1. The uh, Holy Spirit of God comes upon them, energizes them for what? For the work of the ministry, the local church. And they go out from there, Acts 1.8. They go out to start planting churches throughout the world. What are the greater works? that the, You know, the greater works are... The, uh, the, Jesus is going back to the Father. He is not going to be here physically to plant all of these churches all over the world, but you are. That's what He's saying to them. You are. You know, you, you, you look at me and you see the miracles that, that God has wrought through me. And, and I'm telling you, you'll do greater miracles. Many will come to Christ. Many will be saved. The ingathering of souls will be accomplished as you go out and you do the work. That's the recognition he gives Ephesus back here in Revelation chapter 2. I see all of that hard work, that labor that you're doing. And it is not gone unnoticed. You know, when we begin, if you ever do, and you probably don't, but if you ever do, feel sorry for yourself or say, wow, you know, I wish this class would be a little larger and I hear this on occasion. Uh, from Sunday school teachers, and I will say to them, well, have you called them? Well, have you called on them? Well, have you gone out and knocked on doors? Okay, Pastor, okay, okay. You know, I mean, don't be weary of well-doing because God sees all of that work. Nothing goes unnoticed. The Lord Jesus saw the work that Ephesus was doing. I think this is, this, it behooves us to remember that. That, first of all, He saw all the deeds and He saw particularly notice those people that really toiled to the point of exhaustion, that put themselves into the work. You know, the pastor is not the person that is supposed to do the work of the ministry in the local church alone. He is to train you to do it. Ephesus, uh, you know, Ephesians chapter 4. Um, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 4, right, verse 12. I will train, you know, I'm going to train you all and you're going to do the work. Jesus says to the apostles, 
you're going to be involved in a wonderful work. I think he's talking about the local church. And here we see um, the direct uh, commendation of the church at Ephesus um, in Revelation chapter 2. He commends them for their deeds, for their toil, to the point of exhaustion, and perseverance, and perseverance. And, 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 and what does that term perseverance mean here? Well, it means steadfastness. It means staying with the stuff, not quitting, not backing away. You know, in our day, there is an overwhelming uh, push to just kind of back away from uh, a kind of sort of traditional church. Uh, please don't do that. You know, I, I appreciate what you're doing here tonight. Just stay with it and talk to people about Christ. I recently had a very serious illness and went into the hospital. And when I got there, in my hospital room were two people that needed Christ. Now, look, I'm not, this is not a, please, don't misunderstand me. I laid there feeling sorry for myself and did not want to talk to anybody about anything. But my God would not leave me alone until I got up and went next door to the fellow. Because when you're laying in your bed and you're hearing, can somebody get me a pastor? And you're laying there a pastor. Lord! You know? And so I had opportunity to... Wit what an exciting thing to, to be a part of. Um, to be a part of His work. And don't, don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Do what you do. Go everywhere. Tell people about Christ. Toil until you're exhausted if necessary. And persevere in it. Don't give up. Be steadfast. Endure. That's the term really means steadfastness or endurance. Uh, have patience in doing so. Again, uh, you should persevere because, well... Go back to the book of Romans, if you would, chapter 5. I love this passage. I almost brought the, the message from Romans chapter 5 tonight and debated whether to or not. But uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with Christ through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into His grace, in which we stand, and we exalt, or that means glory, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not, notice this. He's saying, you know, you ought to recognize what you really have in Christ. His justification, that's a legal term I'm sure you know, that is, is something that comes right from God that He has to do. He justifies you. You cannot do anything to justify yourself. Justification is a legal term where He declares you not guilty. He doesn't declare you not guilty. He, he pardons you, though you are guilty. Let's just say that. You know, just as if I never sinned. That idea. There's a little more to it, a lot more to it than that. But we don't have time to do that tonight. But so you have justification by faith, by believing in Christ and trusting in Him as Lord and Savior. Alright, so, so we've obtained our introduction by faith, our in our introduction, that's a wonderful thing. We've obtained our access to God. Our introduction to God. You know, by faith, we've obtained access to God. You can go to God. You don't need your pastor to go to God. And you need Him for other things, but you don't need Him to go to God. Oftentimes, people come to the pastor and say, Pastor, why don't you pray for me? And I tell them, okay, I understand what you mean by that because I don't want to be condescending or smart-alecky in this. I understand what you mean, but I won't pray for you. What? You won't pray for me? No. I will pray with you, though. 
I will come alongside you and pray with you. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. The paraclete does. He comes alongside. He indwells us, literally. comes inside. And He prays with us to God. We need to pray for each other, yes. But pray with each other is more correct. So, But anyway, through whom we have, have attained our access to God. We can go to God. You can go to God. You don't need me to take prayers. You don't need pastor to. Uh, and and uh, uh, anyway, going on. And not only this, he says, but we also exalt or glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation... Notice this. That tri- we, why do we glory in tribulations? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Why would we do that? Well, here's why. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. It's what we were just talked... We, we need to have perseverance. It's what the commendation to the church at Ephesus is that they, they, they persevered. That they were steadfast, that they endured. So we have here this idea of not only do this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance then proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. I, I, I don't know, but when you read this, I just get the idea, uh, you know, and there's no way you can tell this in the text, you know, the the, the nuances of the words and all of this are you know you can't tell that but but what you can what I what I when I read it I get excited about what Paul is saying here to the church at Rome look when you're under great persecution and and tribulation and they are you're being oppressed for the cause of Christ don't worry about it in fact glory in it is what he's saying because it brings about uh, proven character and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. So, it, you know, this idea of the church at, at Ephesus being a church that toiled to the point of exhaustion, that, was, that persevered, that, 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 that uh, were, were, they were steadfast, they endured, they were patient. Um, you can find that in your own life. The challenge to do that in your own life in Romans chapter 5. The church at Rome was told to do the same thing. We're told... Uh, as well. So, we have this. They, first of all, worked diligently. I know thy works and, and your labor and your patience. And for that for my name's sake, you labored and, and you didn't quit. Verse, no, notice verse, uh, uh, reading down through verse 3. And, uh, and you have persevered and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Is that, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? For God to say about Ambassador Baptist Church in Royal Oak, say, well, we're we're a smaller church. So, you 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 know, you're not a small church in God's eye, in God's view. You're the, you know, I'm not saying that everybody is uh, that you can't work and become larger. You can, but God does give the increase, and I firmly believe that. Sometimes we use that as an excuse not to work and to get involved in the work, but that is the truth of the matter. God gives increase. And and so you don't we don't pay attention to you shouldn't pay attention to things like that. Uh, many 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 years ago, when I was first saved, I, I was a member of First Baptist Church in in uh, Clarkston, Michigan, and I, I worked with Cl- Pastor Clarence Bell. I worked with with his youth group for 12 years, and then uh, I've been 32 years or so in senior pastor ministry now. But I remember back then in Sunday school in the morning there were. Perhaps about the number that are sitting here, maybe a few more, maybe but not very many more. And we had—I don't—I don't see one up here. We had a an attendance board. You know, you ever see those? 
and, uh, and, and so pastors teaching the Sunday school class in the auditorium because that's what we did. And, and the, the, uh, uh, one of the ushers would come in and post the numbers. And you could just see the countenance of the church. You know, they come in and they post the numbers. Well, there was so many. And the number was up. Everybody's, oh, this is great. You know, praise the Lord. This is great. You know, But if it was down, you could just see the air go out of everybody. And I mean, it was, it was obvious. And so one day we came in and the attendance board was gone. And there was, it was, the spot was freshly painted. Never to be seen again was that attendance board. And I was, I was very, very happy it was gone. Why? We should not involve ourselves in that. With, you know, it's okay to have, you should strive for more, but if you don't get it, if you're working at it, and you're really seriously working at it, that's what God recognizes, your toil. He recognizes your perseverance. He recognizes your, your, your desire to stay with the stuff and not quit. You don't give up. You don't faint. You stay with it, verse 3. You know, you've not grown weary for my name's sake. We don't do this for our own sake. You don't do it for your pastor's sake. You don't do it for the sake of Ambassador Baptist Church. You do it for the Lord's sake and for His glory. And so we trust Him with it, but we need to be about it, don't we? And it is an exciting life. There isn't any better life to live. But they worked diligently. They watched. The Scripture says they watched uh, vigilantly. Uh, Notice again verse 2 here for a moment. And I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put those to the test who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. So, so, so not, not only did, they, did He commend them for working diligently, but they watched vigilantly. It is very, very... You know, do you know one of the names? What do you call your pastor? Do you call him by his first name? Or you call him by his last name? Do you call him... What do you call him? Pastor? Why do you call him pastor? You know why the, I love the term pastor? It's the term that we, I don't know, but I'm, is that what you prefer, brother, pastor? Some people call you elder today. Some people call you bishop. I have a friend who calls me up and says, is the bishop there? I am the bishop. I'm the bishop at Tri-Lakes. Your pastor is the bishop here at Ambassador. Um, he is all, but the term, I love the term pastor because it, it's, it's, it comes from the, the, the word poimain. It comes from shepherd. It comes from all that is involved in shepherding the flock. And, and, you know, in that whole exchange between Jesus and Peter, you know, do you love me? Yes, feed my shepherd. Guard. Take care of. Feed my flock. Shepherd them. Take care of them. That's, that's what he's trying to say. Watch over them. Hover over them. Um, and, and, and that's his responsibility. Hebrews chapter 13 says that he will give answer. For all of you, for every soul here, he will give answer. You won't give answer for him, but he will give answer for all of you. You will give answer for yourself as well. But the, the point I'm trying to make here is that he is to be vigilantly watching over the flock. But not he alone. All of you are to be vigilant. You are to love what? Notice this. They, look at the text now. It says, but, you know, in, in verse, and, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. It carries with it the sense, I believe, unless I think I'm okay here, 
that, that they could not tolerate evilness in their midst. Evil men come in. Evil men begin to spread rumors. Evil men begin to spread heresy. Evil men begin to... It's not just men. It's the evilness. It's all that goes with evil. And he's saying, you can, I, I appreciate the fact that you will not tolerate it. Now, notice that he doesn't say that, you, that you, you tend to get around to dealing with it. He's saying here that you do not tolerate it at all. There's a no tolerance policy in the local church concerning evil. It's not acceptable. You know, Paul addresses it in, in, in uh, uh, First and Second Corinthians. In first, he addresses the problem, and second, he restores the person that had the problem. I believe it was that person that had the problem. He restores them, but he says, you know, you're you're in First Corinthians five. He's saying you're bragging about the fact there's somebody in your midst that's involved in adultery. You're bragging about it. You you think it's kind of the kind of the gauche thing to do. You know, it's the in thing. It's the done thing. And I'm telling you, it is sinful and ungodly, and you need to put them out. Not no tolerance for that. That's not a message that's welcomed in our day. Very, you know, it's just not welcome. Um, and but here's a church that that was commended because they didn't tolerate evil. And they didn't. Uh, 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 not only did they not tolerate evil, I'm, I'm going to move really. Not going to move through the whole text here because of time, but uh, I'll give you the outline and you can do that. But he said, look, uh, you know, you don't tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who come in, the heretics who come in and call themselves, you put them to the test and if they're false, you find them false and you put them out. There's, he's commending them for, for uh, watching vigilantly over the doctrine of the church. For, for doing for, for for what he says to Titus, you need to appoint in the book of Titus. He says you need to appoint elders who are who who have uh, preach and teach sound doctrine, healthy doctrine, good sound healthy doctrine. And I you know I kind of went on your website and looked at what you're preaching lately. I've been in Second Thessalonians myself. On Sunday evening, and I noticed you're in Second Thessalonians. Is that morning? I think morning service. Evening. So we, we fine minds think alike, right? So we're we're uh, enjoying the same things. But I I noticed some of the men that you have had in this pulpit. All of those men I would have in our, in the pulpit at Tri Lakes Baptist Church. I'm very jealous of the pulpit. For the cause of Christ, not for Art Larson. But you know we have them in the pulpit. Why? And, and we, but we watch diligently over what is taught, um, and we do so because it's what we're taught or we're told, commanded to do. And here, uh, the Lord gives them a commendation for that. You have, pers- you know, you, you've you've labored, you've toiled to the to the point of exhaustion. You've persevered. You would not tolerate. Uh, evil men, and you've stood the test of doctrine. You've had, you've made sure that sound doctrine comes into the pulpit. And then he goes on to say, "But, however, but I have this against you in verse four, that you have left your first love." What a sad verse! What a sad verse! Do you know that the and and, and the warning that's given in verse one, uh, or the the acknowledgement of who it is that's bringing the uh, the uh, message in verse 1. They should have paid attention. 
and they didn't pay attention, the warning is given uh, down in uh, uh, verse 5 uh, was, was eventually carried out because they had fallen. Uh, in spite of all of these good things that they were doing, there's always the temptation, always the challenge, always the possibility of, of, of falling short of God's glory. And, and generally speaking, it's because we forget who we're serving. You know, the, the message that your pastor preaches from this pulpit, I, he and I don't know each other all very well, but I do know of him, and I do know what he preaches and teaches. I do know the people that he allows in this pulpit. I do know that what he allows before you, and, and he's very careful about that, and I can see that he's a careful man in that regard. And I praise the Lord for that. And I, and and but but you know it, what can happen is that um, along comes a, a, a you know along comes a king who or who knew not Joseph kind of thing. And you know I mean along comes another pastor someday down the road that doesn't, and you tolerate evil in the midst just a little bit. I trust that never happens. But, but in this case, I think what the Lord is saying is, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Uh, I started to say this uh, uh, about your pastor. He is under a lot of pressure to, just, just from the world, to water down the Word, to change the way you do things around here. Let's, you know, I mean, yeah, the typical things. You know, let's move all the pews out. Let's bring in chairs and let's, you know, let's change this. Let's say, you know, like, look, everybody's looking for the silver bullet that will cause more, it cause an increase in, in, in all sorts of things. But, but, uh, uh, you, you know, he he is under a lot of pressure to change. Uh, probably a lot of pressure that you don't even know about, just by virtue of the fact that he stands in a pulpit like this one in a church like this one and preaches. People don't tolerate. Preaching on sin, people don't tolerate uh, lengthy messages. People don't tolerate a whole lot of different things today, right? So you support him when he stands and preaches and teaches the word of God the way it should be taught, because many times churches give in to the temptations and they begin to seek the magic bullet. I think you can you can. You can see a little bit of that, and, and, and you can look on your own because of time we won't go there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul, Paul challenges the church at Corinth, saying, look, you, you know, the, the church is growing. In fact, it's exploding with growth. And you've got all sorts of people coming, and apparently and they were approaching the Lord's table and abusing it. They were uh, abusing one another. There was uh, politics, factions, and fractions going on in the church. Politics should not be found in any pulpit. But there it was. Are you of Apollos? Are you of Cephas? Are you of Paul? And so forth and so on. In the church at Corinth. Tolerating sin as if it were the kind of in thing to do. Well, you know what? We have this person in our church and we don't put them out. Today it's very difficult to take the, uh, uh, a, uh, a position that, that for instance, on, uh, the positions on marriage today, uh, and 
positions on abortion today or infanticide or, you know, the, the, the proper uh, biblical positions are difficult to take today and to preach it in the pulpit in the, if the public knows it and, and word gets out where you stand, you're ridiculed and there's pressure to change. And so changes take place. And I think we, we change because we desire to have more people. We change because we desire to have, uh, it's, you know, after all, Pastor, we get more people, we'll have, be able to do more things for the Lord, that whole kind of thing. We look for the silver bullet, or very often we do. And I think that's what's going on in Corinth when Paul challenges them and said, look, you do all this. You can, you can, you, you know, you can, you can stand out in the street corner and preach the gospel and clang cymbals and all of that. Do whatever you want. You can have enough faith to move mountains. You can give everything away uh, to feed the poor and all of that. You let your body be burned. All of that. But if you don't have a love for God, it is for naught. Now that's, you know, that, I think that's what Paul's saying there. If you don't have love, proper love, love for God, love for one another, then you, you know, it's, it's useless. And here, what has happened? Well, I have this against you, that somewhere along the line, this church at Ephesus, 40 years later, when, when John writes to them, 40 years later, they have lost their first love. Now, John pens what Jesus told him. They've lost their first love. You know, the, 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 the church service becomes a yawner. Just being here, ah, we've we got to go, we've got to get there. Instead of staying up all night ironing your shirt, ready to go and having everything ready, you know, that kind of thing. You don't have to iron a shirt to come. I don't mean that. But that's what I did, you know. I mean, I'd get ready. I'd polish my shoes. I'm an ex-Marine, so I would spit shine my shoes, you know. I still try to do that sometimes. Sometimes, about once every three or four years. <laughs> but iron my shirt. Yeah, I, I'm, ex- I'm still excited about being together with people on the Lord's Day. I can't wait for it to occur. I couldn't wait to get here. I just enjoy it and, and, and love it. And, and I do sometimes go long. I'm quitting soon, so don't panic here. But, but I do because I love to be with God's people. And I love His Word and like to share it if I can. And, and you know... Somewhere along the line, though, sometimes we lose that love we have for God and we lose that zeal we have for Christ. We lose it. It's just, it's just we're going through the motions. We, we're obligated to be here. I'm a deacon. I'm a Sunday school teacher. I'm the song leader. I'm, the, I'm not picking on you, brother, but, you know, I'm the pastor. I have to be here. So I'm going to be here. I'm going to go through the motions. And I lose this zeal and love in my heart for the cause of Christ. I hope that doesn't happen here. Hope it never happens here. Because if it does, you might as well just close the doors. That's what Jesus said. As a matter of fact, in Ephesus it did happen and they did close. They're not there today. We need to maintain our love for Christ. If you want to know as a father what will allow your children to stay with the Lord throughout their life, even when you are nowhere around, even when you're long since gone to be with the Lord and they're still alive, what will, Pastor, can you tell me how my family, how my children, my sons, my daughters, my grandchildren, how will they, how is it that they will stay with the Lord? How, there's only one thing that will keep them walking with God and that is their love for Christ. 
Now, you can't build that into somebody. You can, I mean, that's, that's a personal thing. I understand that. But a church like this one, there needs to be an atmosphere and an attitude of a real love for Christ and a zeal for His work and a desire to be together as God's people. And that is extremely contagious. When people see that and understand that and they see that you're serious about that, they get excited too. doesn't mean they come to church, by the way. Not what I'm saying. But it is what we need to be. That's what He's commended them for, uh, for being so zealous about the cause of Christ. And then He says, but you've lost. You're not doing it anymore for Me. You're doing it for you. You're doing it out of obligation. You've lost your love. And what does He say? Look at, look at the, the, the remedy very quickly in verse 5. Then remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. You remember that day when you first came to Christ? Now some people, you know, I've actually had people come and say, it was no big deal, so I came to Christ. Well, my friend, you didn't come to the Christ that I came to. I didn't have shivers running down my spine. I didn't have ecstatic babbling going on, but I had a real joy in my heart. I want to tell you that and an excitement about Christ. And excitement, I don't mean I stood up and, you know, boogied till I dropped kind of thing. That's not what I mean. But I had a desire to share. Boy, it's just good to be a believer, is it not? Would you rather be anything else? Would you rather be anywhere else? Is there any place tonight you'd rather be than here? I would hope your answer would be no. I want to be here with God's people. I want to be here with... You know, I just praise the Lord for the opportunity. But many times... Somewhere along the line, we forget. And the Lord Jesus said, listen, remember when you were first, remember the first works you did. When you're really excited about serving God. When it really, I, not too long ago, had an ophthalmologist moved into our area, started to come to church. And I'd see him about once every three, four weeks. He'd pop in for the morning service. And then I'd seen about once every six weeks. And then finally, you know, after I managed to get connect with him and have lunch with him and sit down with him and talk with him, uh, you know, I could see he was a little bit troubled. And he came and, and sat with me and talked about various things. And one day he came to me and he just was broken. And now I'm not telling anything out of school because he would be here tonight with me if he could have been and he would tell you the same thing. And he said, Pastor, I want you to know, and here's what he said, I am all in. I said, what do you mean by that? You know, when I say I'm all in, I'm, I'm done. You know? <laughs> no, no, I'm all in. I'm in the work. I am so excited. God has just pricked my heart about the work of God, and I am all in. I'm ready. I really, I've wasted enough time. I'm excited. I, I remember when I was first saved. It's just like I've been saved all over again. I know that's not true. He said, I know that's not true. When God saves you, He saves you. And for eternity, I know that. But, but I am so excited now. I'm serious about this. I want to serve Him. And you know that was about five years ago and He is still that way today. Seems now He'll grab my hand and shake it and He'll hug me and say, I love you, Pastor. I just love these people. I love the brothers. He just loves to be together. And I think what He did, He went back to the first works. He remembered the first works. That's what churches need to do constantly. Go back and remember the first works. Remember what it's like 
Don't give up. Persevere. Hang in. Not only hang in, get excited about hanging in. And when you're oppressed and when you're difficult and when you're exa- point of exhaustion, just smile at God. Say, thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity. Oh, I get tired and I get bone tired and cry tired kind of thing. I shouldn't tell you that, but I do. And, 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 but uh, you know what keeps me from just saying, hey, I've had it? I know that my God loves me. And as much, I love Him. But as much as I love Him, I know He loves me much, 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 much more. And, and just a challenge tonight. God commends the church that will toil to the point of exhaustion. He commends your deeds. He knows all of them. He will commend you for them. And He will want you to do it because you love Him. And that's what will keep you. That's what will keep this church pure. That's what will keep your family pure. will keep your children with the Lord throughout the years is their personal love for Christ. And you can't. You can only teach that to them. You can't implant it. I wish we could, but you can't. But you could show it to them. You can be an example of it. You can set the atmosphere of it here in this church. You can be an Ephesus that didn't lose its testimony. Our Father, thank You for all who are here tonight. And I ask Your forgiveness for spending too much time and uh, perhaps, uh, Father, tonight, though, You would challenge all of us that we might uh, toil to the point of exhaustion for there's nothing better to give our lives to than the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name, we thank you for the privilege. Amen.